You are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Stay tuned now for The Jazz Show with Gavin Walker coming right up right now.
We would like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and as usual, we're here at this time every week with three hours plus of some of the very best in jazz music, and we hope that you can stay with us. We always start our show from the top with the jazz feature, and of course we'll be doing that uh, this evening. Of course we have tons of other stuff to play for you, all kinds of music, and um, take you in various uh, musical directions and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we hope that you can sit back and uh, enjoy the sounds. The features this month, for the month of November, have been albums that are now considered classics, but when they first came out, they were given scathing reviews and dismissed as uh, inconsequential um, and so on and so forth. Now, the the first three artists... um, including uh, tonight's jazz feature artists. Uh, These bad reviews never uh, affected the sales or the popularity of the album at the time. It was simply the critics' opinions. However, um, people did read uh, jazz magazines and, of course, um, uh, balanced their budgets uh, on record reviews. And if a record got a bad review, they'd say, well, we better skip this one uh, because we've only got so much money to spend on on records, that sort of thing. Um, But uh, all of these artists were really not affected by bad reviews. Now, the artist that we're going to present next week uh, was, but that's a whole other story, and that's for next week. This week is one of the foremost voices of the alto saxophone and definitely a musician that influenced me greatly Uh, As a matter of fact, he inspired me to, as a young man, to take up the alto saxophone. And um, he was truly the voice of that instrument for me. Um, And there was just something about his approach to the instrument and his uh, way of playing and his way of phrasing. Uh, That's it. I really, I really, that's... (laughs) Uh, I really want to go there. And, of course, uh, he inspired me. His name, Jackie McLean, the late, great Jackie McLean. He passed away in 1996. He was born in Harlem and raised there. Uh, Grew up with um, Sonny Rollins. He was one of his best friends. Uh, He was... um, People like Walter Bishop, Jr., um, Kenny Drew, Arthur Taylor, they were all boyhood friends. They all went, they all hung out. Uh, and Jackie, of course, uh, developed from there, uh, went on to play, made his uh, first recordings, actually, with Miles Davis. And, of course, Miles had already established himself and was a big star and, and uh, heard something in Jackie McLean's p- playing and um, worked with Jackie during the early um, 50s. Jackie and Sonny Rollins. Now, Jackie McLean has an approach to the alto saxophone uh, which is unique. 
Um, he has a tendency to play on the sharp side of the note, so, so it, that bothers some some people. Um, but that contributes to his uh, incredible sound on the, on the instrument, and of course his way of phrasing and his way of playing. Now his biggest influence was Charlie Parker, and of course he was very close to uh, to Charlie Parker. Um, and uh, uh, Charlie Parker treated Jackie as as uh, someone who would uh, eventually um, wear the mantle. And uh, of course, uh, unfortunately, Charlie Parker died in 1955. But because Jackie played the alto saxophone, and so many people were influenced by Charlie Parker, they said that Jackie McLean was a Charlie Parker imitator, and, and nothing could be further from the truth. He was influenced by Charlie Parker, but he always had his own sound. And of course, he developed that, um, working with band leaders like Charles Mingus, who encouraged him uh, to say, you know, play your own ideas. Uh, You've got a great sound and a great approach, play your own ideas. And, and then he worked with Art Blakey and, of course, formed um, groups of his own and, and uh, became a uh, quite uh, prominent recording star, uh, jazz recording star in, in the 1950s. Recording mostly for prestige records, as a sideman and as a leader. Now, he ran into a little bit of trouble, um, drugs, unfortunately, and uh, had to take uh, a little time off in the late 50s, got himself back together again, and signed a new contract with Blue Note Records. And his recordings uh, with Blue Note are really um, the recordings that uh, people go back to when they want to hear prime Jackie McLean. And he recorded for Blue Note from about 1959 to the end of the 60s and made some very, very significant recordings. Jackie McLean, also, uh, when he kind of emerged from this dark period, as I mentioned, uh, he acquired a new brand of saxophone. He was al always had played a Selmer saxophone, but he um, became an endorser for, for a French saxophone, uh, by the name of Buffet. Buffet was actually, uh, uh, the brand was, uh, they made some of the best clarinets, but they, um, they began manufacturing saxophones. And Jackie McLean became an endorser for Buffet saxophones, and he was the one that inspired me to play a Buffet, and to this day I still do. Um, Jackie eventually uh, changed in the mid-60s and went back to uh, playing a Selmer, and then later on actually um, became an endorser for Yamaha saxophones, but then, uh, then in, his, in his latter years went back to playing a Selmer once again. Anyway, that's, that's some esoteric information. This album that we're going to play this evening uh, is an album called Capuchin Swing. Um, and this was Jackie's third album for Blue Note Records. The first two uh, that he did for Blue Note got very good reviews. This one got slammed. I have no idea why, but uh, there was very little good said about this album, and uh, the, the rating uh, in Downbeat Magazine was 
two and a half stars, which is just one level above uh, half a star uh, above a poor rating or a fair rating. This album is more than <laughs> it's it's absolutely an amazing album, and it's one of Jackie McLean's favorite albums that people go back to and listen to. It's a seminal album. Um, there's a little bit of experimentation on that. Jackie moved into into uh, more, uh, during his years with Blue Note, moved into uh, more avant-garde music. But he was cautious about it as well. He didn't just jump into it and start playing weird or, or, or far-out stuff or anything. He he, uh, it was part of his evolution, and you can hear the beginnings of some experimental playing on this record, where he, he's starting to think about some different things, and uh, and getting out of that uh, kind of bebop mold that he was in. So this is a, a very very significant album, and uh, it's still a puzzlement to me why it was so low rated, but it, it is now of course considered a classic. Capu- Capuchin Swing. The reason it was called that way is that the McLean family had acquired a pet, and that pet was a monkey, and uh, <laughs> the monkey's name was Mr. Chips, and of course, it probably raised havoc around the McLean household, as monkeys do, but he wrote this, uh, he wrote the title track in honor of the new pet monkey, and that's why it was a Capuchin monkey, and uh, that's why he called the title track Capuchin Swing. So there you go. There's a a little more esoteric information for you. Jackie was playing particularly well uh, in in this. I really see no um, evidence of of, uh, sometimes the sharp um, uh, playing that he uh, did. Uh, He plays perfectly in, in tune on uh, this recording and his sound is is just marvelous. It's really rounded out and and very beautiful and of course uh, very gripping. Jackie McLean described his sound as no sugar added. So there you go. There's an idea of what he sounds like. So the people involved here: Jackie, of course, on alto saxophone; Blue Mitchell, Richard Blue Mitchell on trumpet, perfect frontline partner. On piano was one of Jackie's boyhood friends who had just come back from, oh, he had some difficulties too. He was off the scene for a number of years and uh, was back on the scene, and, and Jackie was so happy to have him on this recording. Pianist, Harlem-born Walter Bishop Jr., and Walter swings his buns off as usual on this date. And he's actually heavily featured. I'll tell you about that in a minute. The bass player, Paul Chambers, one of the most ubiquitous bassists uh, recorded with everybody. And on drums, the great New York drummer, another boyhood buddy of Jackie's, Arthur Taylor, the great New York Arthur Taylor. The tunes, we open with one that is dedicated to um, the people that owned Blue Note Records were Francis Wolfe and Alfred Lyon. They were two... um, immigrants from from Germany. They both escaped the Nazis and, and came to America, and they were jazz fans. And uh, they started the Blue Note label. So 
Alfred Lyon and Francis Wolfe. And the first tune is called Francisco. And it's not dedicated to the city. It's dedicated to Francis Wolfe, um, partner. And this is one of the finest tunes on the set. Then we move to a Walter Bishop composition, a brand new thing that he wrote for the date, and it's called Just For Now. And then tune number three is an actual feature for Walter Bishop, The Horns Stay Out. This is a trio selection, and uh, Jackie asked Walter to play a favorite tune, anything, and he, Walter chose uh, the great old standard, Don't Blame Me, by Dorothy Fields. Then we get to uh, a great Jackie McLean composition. I think this is my favorite track of the whole album. It's called Condition Blue, and uh, it's a very hip-sounding uh, um, modern blues. Then we get to the title track, tune number five, Capuchin Swing, written for the monkey. And the final tune is another Walter Bishop Jr. original dedicated to the other half of Blue Note, Alfred Lyon, and it's called On the Lion. So that's the lineup. Uh, all of this was recorded April 17th, 1960 at Rudy Van Gelder's studios and once again, Jackie McLean on alto saxophone, Blue Mitchell on trumpet, Walter Bishop Jr. on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and Arthur Taylor on drums. Our jazz feature this evening, Capuchin Swing. And we begin with Francisco. <laughs> Thank you. 
And that, ladies and gentlemen, was our jazz feature this evening. The album, which was greeted uh, by the jazz critics with uh, some disdain and dismissal, is now considered a classic, and you heard it. The album called Capuchin Swing, and of course the leader was the great voice of the alto saxophone, one of the finest gentlemen to ever put that instrument between his lips, Jackie McLean, Harlem born and raised, and of course uh, just one of the most unique voices of that instrument, Jackie McLean. When Jackie signed with Blue Note in 1959, he was more than just a promising young musician. Uh, he had matured great, uh, greatly, and uh, of course his Blue Note period which went on from 1959 to uh, almost a decade later, uh, was, is considered his finest. This album was the, his third for Blue Note, and it was recorded April 17, 1960. And, of course, that year Jackie was playing just marvelously uh, with a full sound and uh, uh, was also entertaining some very new ideas as well, adding them to his musical arsenal. So we heard Jackie with the hand-picked band. Blue Mitchell was his partner on trumpet, the great Blue Mitchell, who, of course, matured rapidly um, because he had a steady gig with Horace Silver's quintet and became much more confident in the uh, recording studio uh, during those years. And, of course, Blue, one of the great uh, lyric trumpeters, beautiful sound and, uh, and concept. On piano was someone who Jackie McLean grew up with in Harlem, pianist Walter Bishop Jr. And Walter Bishop had been off the scene um, with some problems and not playing at all um, and had just come back uh, on the jazz scene. And Jackie McLean, of course, welcomed him on this uh, recording featured two brand-new compositions that Walter wrote for the, tune, for the album and also um, asked him to do a trio track for the album without the horns, just all by himself. Uh, he felt that he deserved that sort of exposure, so that was uh, extremely um, nice of Jackie to do that for his buddy, Walter Bishop Jr. on piano. And, of course, you can't really fault the rhythm section. Paul Chambers on bass and Arthur Taylor on drums, and uh, two of the finest. And, of course, uh, they played together on so many albums and uh, just worked hand-in-glove together. The tunes, we opened uh, with probably the most exciting track on the album, and that was dedicated to um, Alfred Lyon's partner. Alfred Lyon owned Blue Note Records, and his partner was Francis Wolfe. And... Um, the first tune was dedicated to Francis Wolfe, and it was called Francisco. Very fast, up-tempo blues with a difference, uh, written by Jackie McLean. And then the first of uh, the two Walter Bishop compositions, uh, tune number two, was by Bish, and it was called Just For Now. And tune number three was uh, Walter Bishop's um, piano trio track, and he picked a great tune to play, Don't Blame Me written by Dorothy Fields, great standard, and Jimmy McHugh, uh, a great standard tune, and Bish did a wonderful job of it. Tune number four was another new McLean composition, 
for this album, and it was called Condition Blue. Two number five was the title track written for a new addition to the McLean household. Mr. Chips was a Capuchin monkey and probably raised a lot of hell in the, <laughs> in the McLean household, as monkeys do. Anyway, that tune was dedicated to Mr. Chips, and it was called Capuchin Swing, the title track. And the final tune was uh, a nice kind of happy, outgoing tune written by Walter Bishop, dedicated to Alfred Lyon, the owner of Blue Note Records. It was called On the Lion. So that's the contents of the album. That's what we heard. That's our jazz feature. Uh, initially, as I said, um, this is part of the whole concept this month of the, with the jazz features. Initially, albums that were greeted with uh, um, low ratings and, and uh disdain by the esteemed jazz critics. This one, of course, is now one of Jackie's best-loved albums, Jackie McLean. So that's it for the jazz feature, and we'd just like to remind you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca, and we shall return. We have a couple of announcements. And we'll be back with uh, a very interesting piece of music by tenor saxophonist Charlie Rouse. I'll tell you more about that in just one moment. There's long-term and visiting exhibits of indigenous art from around the world. And guided tours are free. Our permanent collection features one of the world's finest exhibits of Northwest Coast First Nations art. Our collection includes 36,000 ethnographic pieces, 535,000 archaeological pieces, and over 600 pieces in the Kroner Ceramics Gallery. There's a lot to take in. Luckily at the Museum of Anthropology, final exams are always take home. If you've never checked out this world-class facility, now's your chance. The Museum of Anthropology is located right on campus and free for all UBC students and faculty. Come enjoy our collection and resources. Forty years ago, the Pender Guide program helped Chinese Canadians and Asian Canadians discover and create community radio. Join CITR and Discorder in celebrating the very first English language radio program created in Canada about Chinese Canadian community on Friday, November 24th from 7 to 9 p.m. at Access Gallery in Chinatown. Check out the Facebook event or go to citr.ca for more information. Disorders Shindig is back for the 34th year and is hosted at Hastings Mill Brewing Company, formerly known as Pat's Pub, every Tuesday night. We've curated a spicy roster of local musicians, and there are 27 bands, 27 winners, but someone has to take home the Shindig Windig crown from last year's champ, Little Sprout. Come watch bands jam out, have fun, and battle it out for some rad prizes provided by our sponsors. Sarah Fox Postering, Nimbus Recording, Cannery Brewery, Pandora's Box, Vader Master Studios, Rain City Recorders, Mint Records, Music Waste, Live from Thunderbird Radio Hell, Six Cent Press, Blue Light Studios, Hastings Mill Brewery, Print Print. So come out to Pat's Pub November 28th for Singles Night to see King Buzzard, Mushy Face, and These Guy. Let's have a 
You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. Tenor saxophonist Charlie Rouse, of course, was a huge part of Thelonious Monk's quartet. Um, basically, he played with Monk for about 11 years and uh, was one of the great voices of the tenor saxophone. After he left Monk, um, he had a couple of other projects that uh, he did. He didn't do very much recording after he left Monk. Uh, for a couple of years, and then came out, uh, recorded for the independent uh, musician-run label Strata East, and uh, put out this album. It was very, very different from any work that he had ever done with Thelonious Monk. The album was called Two Is One, and, and that's a, a Thelonious um, expression. Uh, he often used that um, uh, various uh, context. Uh, for instance, if if he was going to describe uh, uh, two people that he knew that were very happily married, he would say two is one. <laughs> that sort of thing. That that's what that meant. And um, Monk used that, of course, in in other contexts. Anyway, we're going to hear Charlie Rouse in a very different uh, context here, and this is. Um, a marvelous piece of music. It, it's kind of a little bit like um, um, Eddie Harris's Freedom Jazz Dance, um, almost as complex, maybe a little more complex. Anyway, it, uh, the tune is written by drummer-composer Joe Chambers. It's called Hopscotch, and it features Rouse on, uh, on tenor saxophone, Paul Metzke uh, on guitar, Callow Scott on cello, um, the incredible Stanley Clark on acoustic bass, uh, David Lee on drums, who worked with Sonny Rollins and different people, and uh, Erto Moriera on percussion. And here we go. From this album, Two is One, we're going to hear Hopscotch, Charlie Rouse. <laughs> Thank you. 
Charlie Rouse, Monk's tenor saxophonist after Monk. <laughs> and uh, that's from an album, or at least one track from an album that uh, Charlie um, was responsible for that came out on the Strata East label. It's called Two is One. And this is a track called Hopscotch in the composition by drummer-composer Joe Chambers. And uh, the band, uh, Charlie Rouse on tenor saxophone, Paul Metzke on guitar, Callow Scott on cello, Stanley Clark on bass, David Lee on drums, and Erto Moriera on percussion. Hopscotch. We uh, have a couple of... Uh, things to tell you, and we're going to be back with a long piece of music by one of my favorite composers and band leaders, Carla Blay, and we're going to be uh, play a prize track um, by her. But we would like to uh, tell you, first of all, about this. Well, <laughs> our, our weather, yes, yes. Well, you know, today wasn't too bad. Tonight is going to be partly cloudy, and there's obviously some fog patches are going to be forming overnight. It's going to get quite cool, down to about 2. And then tomorrow um, it'll become cloudy, and then the rain's going to start, and it's going to get windy as well. That's for tomorrow, with a low of 2 and a high of 8. And then the outlook for um, the rest of the week, pretty well, it's, it's actually going to warm up. There's a bit of a Pineapple Express happening. Uh, Wednesday is going to be rain and windy once again with not much variation in temperature. Uh, lows down to about 11 and highs up to about 13, so that, that's not much there. Um, Thursday, rain. Friday, rain. And on Saturday, maybe a little bit uh, easing up a little bit. It's going to be cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower with a low of 4 and a high of 9. And then we're back to periods of rain for Sunday, which is a low of 5 and a high of 9 again. So not much to look forward to with um, any, any sort of sunshine. Maybe the odd little break here or there, but basically a typical November week in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. So there you go. We live in the rainforest, and uh, it's living up to its name. So there you go. I'd just like to mention a couple of websites um, before we carry on with some music by Carla Blay. One of them, of course, is a very important website. It's the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. Now, they have all kinds of things on their site, and they have up-and-coming concerts. These are the people that uh, uh, bring you the big jazz festival every year. That's Coastal Jazz and Blues. And their website is very comprehensive. And um, get on your computer and ch check them out. It's coastaljazz.ca. And you can make... Um, they also are sponsors of Frankie's Jazz Club. 
which of course is down on Beattie Street, right across the street from BC Place, and Corey Weeds, the redoubtable Mr. Weeds, who owned the cellar for so many years, the uh, cellar out on West Broadway. Um, he programs the music at Frankie's, and of course uh, it's always on a very, very high level, as one can expect from Mr. Weeds. So um, Frankie's is backed, as I mentioned, by the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society, and it's on their website. You can look at the schedule, figure out who you would like to see. You can make reservations. You can pay uh, in advance. You can book a table. You can do all that kind of stuff. The website is very, very uh, user-friendly and comprehensive. So do check it out. That's coastaljazz.ca. And I'd like to mention a special event that's happening at Frankie's. It's a little while away, but not not that far, December 7th, and it's at 8 p.m. It's at Frankie's, very, very fine singer. He doesn't come over here all that often, but he is an extremely fine singer. He uh, lives on Vancouver Island, and his name is Ralph Barrett. And if you like um, Frank Sinatra and, and that type of style of singing, uh, Ralph is your man. He is a, a wonderful um, singer, performer and a uh, very musical guy. And he'll be performing with uh, a bunch of marvelous people, including tenor saxophonist Mike Allen. Uh, Jennifer Scott will be playing the piano, and I think she'll probably be doing some vocals along with Ralph. Renee Wurst on bass and Craig Scott on drums. So that's the lineup, and this is kind of a special event. It's going to be December 7th. Um, the music will start at 8 p.m., and the admission charge is only $15. And so that's pretty good. So uh, if you're really interested in hearing this um, wonderful singer, Ralph Barrett, check him out uh, if you haven't heard him before. He doesn't, as I said, he doesn't come over here all that often. And this is a kind of a special gig for Ralph. Very hip singer. And um, it's going to be, he's going to be backed by this excellent band as well. December 7th, Frankie's. Jazz Club, 8 p.m., $15. Perfect. So there you go. Also, the other website that I always mention is the one that's put together by my old friend Brian Nation, and that's the website of the, um, that's his website, which is vancouverjazz.com. So you've got two important jazz websites here uh, pertaining to Vancouver, coastaljazz.ca, vancouverjazz.com. All kinds of information on both of those sites. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and now the music of Carla Blay. This was recorded uh, at the Montmartre in Copenhagen a number of years ago, um, actually 1988, and it's the Carla Blay Jazz Orchestra, and this is from a great album called Fleur Carnivore, and we're going to hear my favorite track. It's um, actually it's a suite in three parts, and um, there's some really important people in Carla's band here, including the great late trumpet master Lou Soloff. Um, two trumpet players in the band, but Lou does the soloing. Lou Soloff along with um, Jens Winther on trumpets. On French horn and flugelhorn, Frank Lacey. On trombone, the, the mighty Gary Valente. And on tuba, Bob Stewart. 
on oboe and flute, um, Daniel Bossier. On alto saxophone, uh, he's a wonderful player, Wolfgang Pushnik. And on tenor saxophone, Andy Shepard. And Christoph Lauer on, and Roberto Ottini on the other saxophones. On harmonica, Carla Blay's daughter, Karen, is on, uh, solos on this piece, Karen Mantler. And she is quite wonderful. She also plays the organ and the vibes and the chimes, but she solos here on harmonica. Carla Blay is playing the piano and conducting the orchestra, and her man, Steve Swallow, is on electric bass, Buddy Williams on drums, and Don Elias on percussion. And this is Carla Blay's three-part suite called The Girl Who Cried Champagne.
That piece of music was called The Girl Who Cried Champagne, and it was a suite in three parts featuring the amazing orchestra of Carla Bley, recorded at the Montmartre in uh, Copenhagen back in 1988. And in the solos, we heard, um, if you heard a trumpet, it was the great late Lou Soloff. If you heard a trombone, it was Gary Valente. If you heard a tenor saxophone, it was uh, the great English-British tenor player, Andy Shepard. If you heard an alto saxophone, it was Wolfgang Puschnig. And, of course, uh, if you heard a harmonica, it was Karen Mantler, who is Carla Blay's daughter. And, of course, Miss Blay on piano, her partner Steve Swallow on electric bass, Buddy Williams on drums, and Don Elias on percussion and a whole variety of other people in the band, including Bob Stewart, wonderful tuba player. have to mention him, too, because uh, his sound has um, created that whole, um, a lot of it, that the, the ensembles in that piece of music. The Girl Who Cried Champagne, parts one, two, and three. Hope you enjoyed that. We are going to play something that we haven't played before on the show because this is a, a brand new recording. It's actually a, a, you have to subscribe to it, and uh, it's not um, easily available, but it could be if you uh, go on to a, a website, www.normanmarshallvillanov.com. <laughs> All right, you have to spell that name: N O R M N A N Norman. Marshall, um, of course, and Villeneuve, of course, is uh, V-I-L-L-E-N-E-U-V-E dot com. So it's NormanMarshallVilleneuve.com. Now, he is the Art Blakey of Montreal. Norman's almost 80 years old now, and he is still performing, uh, plays all the time, lectures, and is really one of the mainstays of... um, jazz in, in the city of Montreal. Uh, Norman was, um, is a, uh, an African-American or an African-Canadian, and um, his uh, early name, uh, because he was adopted, his early name was Norman Griffiths, 
and then um, he decided to honor his mom, and he changed his name officially to Norman Marshall Villeneuve, and he's, that's who he's known as today. Wonderful drummer and personality as well. He is um, in- incredible. Lived in Toronto for many years and then returned to Montreal, but he was raised in the city of Montreal. He was born in Saint-Henri, of course, and uh, that's when... Uh, where so many um, African Canadians were raised in the city of Montreal, people like Oscar Peterson and and uh, Oliver Jones and so many other musicians, uh, Norman was raised in that environment. And uh, as I said, he's approaching 80 years old now and still playing uh, so beautifully on the drums. Now he issued this album. This was done. Um, this was uh, his own private tapes of a little band that he put together with the legendary Nelson Simons on guitar. Nelson Simons was born in uh, Nova Scotia, and of course he is, uh, uh, again, an African-Canadian, and of course one of the most wonderful guitar players you're ever likely to hear. Wes Montgomery, when he heard Nelson, was absolutely knocked out. Um, So, and John Coltrane wanted Nelson to join his band. So... Um, and, of course, Nelson was one of the mainstays of the Montreal jazz scene. Uh, he never uh, left Montreal. He loved the city and, and performed there and was there during sort of all the ups and downs of the jazz scene in, in Montreal. And, of course, um, because Montreal is in Quebec, it's kind of almost like a separate country uh, there's a lot of musicians in Montreal that uh, people have not heard of. They haven't had any kind of national exposure. But Nelson, of course, I'm, I'm sure most guitar players um, and a lot of um, people interested in jazz have heard of Nelson Simons. The other person here in this quartet is someone who was born and raised in Toronto. Um, he was actually an old friend of mine, wonderful tenor player uh, and flute player, Dougie Richardson. And Doug Richardson, um, um, his sister Jackie Richardson, wonderful um, singer, is still uh, alive and well. Um, Dougie uh, unfortunately passed away in 2007. And um, as far as I'm concerned, he was one of the finest tenor saxophonists in the country. And uh, he should have been exposed a lot more. He should have had a lot more prominence, but uh, very, very giving and kind person and a very, very hip player. So Nelson is on Nelson Simons is on guitar. Uh, Doug Richardson is playing tenor saxophone. On the Hammond B3 is a gentleman who was born in Grenada. And uh, he has spent a lot of time in Montreal. His name is Kingsley Etienne. And uh, if you've never heard of him, he has worked with uh, all kinds of people, uh, amazing CV, um, and he is, of course, a wonderful uh, organ player. He's the nominal leader on this session, but I'll tell you, he's uh, worked with, uh, he's, he's joined these, uh, uh, these organ summits that were happening many years ago when all these guys were alive, Jack McDuff, uh, Jimmy McGriff, Charles Irland. He was right up there with all of those guys. And um, the the uh, and, and others, and of course performed with uh, the Drifters, the Platters, Nina Simone, uh, Nancy Wilson, Etta James, 
Um, Kingsley Etienne is a very, very uh, well-known, very accomplished musician. As I said, he was born in Grenada and uh, spent a lot of time in Montreal. So this is um, the quartet. Nelson Simons on guitar, Doug Richardson on tenor saxophone, uh, Kingsley Etienne on Hammond B3, and Norman Marshall Villeneuve on drums. And we're going to hear uh, some tracks from this album that uh, Norman lovingly put out. Uh, this was recorded um, after a bunch of gigs in the mid-'70s, and they went into the studio and did this album. Um, did this tape anyway, and it really wasn't um, going to be an album. It was just simply a private tape. But uh, Norman listened to it and said, we got to put this out, and he did. And it's on this uh, wonderful CD called King Dog. <laughs> That's, that was uh, the nickname for um, the organ player, Kingsley Etienne. They used to call him King Dog. And uh, uh, so we're going to hear some tunes. Uh, we're going to open up with a, a Benny Golson tune. Uh, that features Doug, uh, Dougie Richardson on tenor saxophone. It's called Shades of Stein. And then we're going to go to um, a piece of music by Mal Waldron that I've always liked based on all the things you are called Anatomy. And uh, then we're going to hear a tune ri- written by um, Richie Powell, the great pianist who died with uh, Clifford Brown. He was in the Clifford Brown Max Roach Band. He wrote a tune called Gertrude's Bounce. We're going to hear that. And we're going to end the set uh, with um, uh, Kingsley Etienne's uh, great little tune. It's almost a novelty tune, but it's a very hip little tune, the title track. And uh, Doug Richardson is going to play flute on on, uh, the final tune. It's called King Dog. So we're going to begin with Benny Golson's tune, Shades of Stein. Thank you. 
That was a group led by Montreal-born drummer Norman Marshall Villeneuve. And that featured Kingsley Etienne on the Hammond organ, the late Doug Richardson on tenor saxophone and flute, and, of course, the legendary Nelson Simons on guitar. And... That is from a, a privately issued uh, CD by um, 
Norman Marshall Villeneuve. He had the tapes uh, reprocessed um, and uh, felt that they were worthy of release. And um, it's on his own, uh, his own label. And the album is called King Dog, and that, that was the nickname of uh, the organist, uh, Grenada-born Kingsley Etienne who uh, lived in Montreal, uh, or has lived in Montreal for many, many years. And we heard a whole bunch of tunes um, from this album, including the title track. So the first uh, tune was entitled Shades of Stein, and that was a composition by uh, tenor saxophonist Benny Golson. And then we heard a Mal Waldron composition called Anatomy. And then we heard a Richie Powell composition called Gertrude's Bounce. And then we heard the title track, uh, where Doug Richardson um, switched to flute. And uh, the title track, of course, is King Dog. So I hope you enjoyed that music. It was recorded in 1975 after a series of gigs in Toronto and Montreal by this uh, band and these uh, legendary musicians. Uh, Norman Marshall Villeneuve is, is the Art Blakey of Montreal, Mr. Uh, Mr. Drums, and uh, he's approaching uh, 80 years old and is still extremely active. Uh, Kingsley Etienne is still around. He was born, as I mentioned before, in Grenada. And um, the other two gentlemen, unfortunately, have passed on. My good friend Doug Richardson, who played the tenor saxophone and flute, and, of course, the legendary Nelson Simons on guitar. Hope you enjoyed that music. And we shall continue. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And we're reserving the next space for a vocalist. And she's one of the most compelling singers on the scene today. She's a young lady. Her name is Cecile McLaurin Salvant. And... We're going to be playing music from uh, one of her recent albums. This isn't her latest, but this is a favorite of mine. And the album is called For One to Love. And it featured uh, Cecile with her trio, um, Aaron Diel on piano, Paul Sickaby on bass, and Lawrence Leathers on drums. And we're going to hear, um, first of all, a composition uh, by... Uh, Cecile, entitled Look at Me. Then we're going to hear uh, a great tune. It's an old tune uh, that she does in her own unique fashion um, called The Trolley Song. And that was written by Hugh Martin and Hal Blaine many, many years ago. And then we're going to end with a bluesy uh, piece of music by uh, Spencer and Clarence Williams called What's the Matter Now? So here are three tunes by Cecile McLaurin Salvant. Look at me. Why don't you look at me? The way you look at all the other girls you see. I'll always be 
but I'm in love with you. Just a clown for you when you're blue. Blue as the nights I wished we'd spent together. What a lovely time together. Blue as that glimpse of light. When I almost think you. to do is spend my lonely life To lose a jolly hour on the trolley and lost my heart instead. With his light brown derby and his bright green tie, he was quite the handsomest of men. Again. 
trolley. Ding, ding, ding went the bell. Zing, zing, zing went my heartstrings. From the moment I saw him, I fell. Chug, chug, chug went the motor. Bump, bump, bump went the brakes. Thump, thump, thump went my heartstrings. When he smiled, I could feel the car shake. He tipped his hat and took a seat. He said he hoped he hadn't stepped upon my feet. He asked my name. I held my breath. I couldn't speak because he scared me half to death. Buzz, buzz, buzz went the buzzer. Plop, plop, plop went the wheels. Stop, stop, stop went my heartstrings. When he started to go, then I started to know how it feels when the universe reels. Buzz, buzz, buzz went the buzzer. Plop, plop, plop went the Stop, stop, stop went my heartstrings. When he started to leave, I took hold of his sleeve with my hand. And as if it were planned, he stayed on with me, and it was grand just to stand with his hand holding mine to the end of the
get along somehow. I want some of that honey from that sweet honeycomb. Tell me what's the matter now, Daddy. Tell me what's the matter now. Cecile McLaurin Salvent, and obviously a lady that can sort of take music anywhere, and she does. Uh, and this is from uh, uh, an album of a few years ago entitled For One to Love. She has a magnificent voice and uh, obviously can, as I said, can do just about anything uh, she wants with it. Um, she was accompanied here by Aaron Dell on piano, Paul Sickaby on bass, and Lawrence Leathers on drums. And we heard three tunes from this album. The first one was her own composition, entitled Look At Me. And the second tune was her um, variations on an old uh, pop tune called The Trolley Song. And tune number three was uh, Spencer Williams, Clarence Williams' co-composition, entitled What's the Matter Now? Cecile McLaurin Salvant. I must uh, tell you, uh, a very good friend of mine who I've known since the mid-60s, we met in San Francisco, and of course he is a huge part of the San Francisco scene, a wonderful saxophonist, tenor saxophonist, soprano saxophonist, composer, all-around musician, and a wonderful person. His name was Mel Martin. And uh, Mel was originally from Sacramento and moved to uh, San Francisco and set up shop there and, of course, played with everybody. Um, He was in uh, a band called Azteca. Uh, He's played with Boss Skaggs um, and, of course, did play jazz uh, for most of his life with uh, people such as Dizzy Gillespie and Benny Carter and just about every other musician. Mel knew everybody, and he was a, a wonderfully warm person. Um, he was born uh, in Sacramento June the 2nd, 1942, and passed away November 16th, 2017. And uh, we're all saddened by the passing of Mel Martin, and, and uh, it was especially people that were close to Mel and um, I guess it was a few years ago I, had, uh, I did a, a phone interview with Mel from, uh, from his home uh, in Novato, California, which is just north of San Francisco, um, his residence. And uh, uh, Mel talked about uh, the San Francisco scene and, uh, of course, our longstanding friendship as well. And uh, I guess this was about two, maybe two years ago on, uh, on this show. And... Uh, I certainly will miss Mel, his personality, his music, and just about everything about him. So I'm going to play three tracks from a wonderful album. He led a band called Bebop and Beyond, and 
This is uh, from one of their albums. Uh, it came out on uh, Chaotic Records, and it features Mel with Bobby Watson on alto saxophone, the great Jack Walrath on trumpet, on piano George Cables on bass, my buddy Bulldog Ray Drummond on bass, and Billy Hart on drums, and of course Mel will be heard on tenor saxophone and soprano saxophone. These are three of Mel's compositions and arrangements I'm going to play for you right now in honor of the late Mel Martin. And we open with one called Whizbang, and then one called For Duke and Mingus, and the final tune is called Riding with C, and that's dedicated to Mel's wife, his widow, Katie, spelt with a C rather than a K. Uh, K-A-T-E-Y, riding with C. Anyway, um, here is Mel Martin and Bebop and beyond. Whizbang.
That was a band entitled Bebop and Beyond, and led by my dear friend, just passed away a couple of days ago, Mel Martin. Mel was the leader of the band. He composed those three pieces and orchestrated them and played the tenor saxophone. And uh, we heard his uh, wonderful voice on that instrument. We also heard Bobby Watson on alto saxophone and Jack Walrath on trumpet, George Cables on piano, Ray Drummond on bass, and Billy Hart on drums. And the three tunes written by Mel, uh, we opened with one called Whiz Bang, and the second tune was a very soulful um, eulogy to two great musicians and entitled For Duke and Mingus. And the final tune was dedicated to Mel's now widow, Katie, and it was called Riding with C. And uh, Katie, of course, spells her name C-A-T-E-Y. And, uh, of course, we give our condolences to the family of Mel Martin. Of course, he was a dear friend. We met many, many years ago and uh, maintained our friendship over the years. And Mel Martin was one of the great voices of the tenor and soprano saxophone. He's also a wonderful flute player, composer, um, band leader, and uh, musician all around. Great musician and great person as well, and based in the Bay Area. And uh, sad to say, he left us two days ago. And uh, he was born June the 2nd, 1942, in Sacramento, California. Mel Martin, a small tribute to him, and uh, one of his finest achievements was this particular band entitled Bebop and Beyond. All right, we're going to continue with one of my all-time favorite alto saxophonists. We haven't played him on the show for a long time, so we're going to listen to some Art Pepper. Interestingly enough, a very famous recording that he made um, called Art Pepper Meets the Rhythm Section, and of course that's one of his most famous, and that was when Art Pepper played with Miles Davis's rhythm section of the time. Um, and it was a very spontaneous date because he was not told about it until the morning of the record session. And uh, legend has it that he hadn't played his horn for uh, several weeks and uh, so on and so forth, and there were other factors in there as well. Not so. Um, Art Pepper had been playing uh, uh, quite well, um, and, and quite frequently, and recording. As a matter of fact, this particular recording that we're going to listen to was, uh, <laughs> was done five days before the uh, legendary um, Art Pepper Meets the Rhythm section uh, uh, recording. So, of course, he had been playing the horn and, and, and so on. It was part of a, a bit of a myth. And sometimes, you know, these uh, myths can be perpetrated even uh, by the person themselves uh, um, that the myth is about. Anyway, uh, it, it's a small point, but uh, Art was obviously in great shape for both of these recordings musically. And this is one uh, recorded with um, 
his cohorts on the West Coast. Uh, Art is on alto saxophone, and his great friend, wonderful pianist Russ Freeman, is here, and on bass, Ben Tucker, and on drums, Chuck Flores. And we're going to hear um, three tunes from this set. Uh, we're going to hear one called Blues In, and then we're going to go to a tune, an old standard tune, called Stompin' at the Savoy, written by Benny Goodman and Edgar Sampson. And uh, then we're going to hear Blues Out. So three tunes by the great alto saxophonist, one of the major voices of that instrument, Art Pepper. And here we go. Thank you. 
Ha <laughs> ha 
That was some very personal music by the great Art Pepper. And uh, we heard him basically with Ben Tucker on bass. <laughs> and um, it was the, the first tune was entitled Blues In, and it was just Art on alto saxophone and Ben Tucker on bass. And then we heard the, the full quartet uh, on the second tune called Stompin' at the Savoy, an old classic. 
uh, Russ Freeman on piano, and of course um, Ben Tucker on bass, and Chuck Flores on drums. And the final tune was called simply Blues Out. And that, uh, again, was a duet with uh, Art Pepper on alto saxophone and Ben Tucker on bass. And, of course, uh, such a soulful, personal sound by the late, great Art Pepper. Some of his uh, finest work, recorded uh, in January of 1957 in Los Angeles. We're going to take you now to a session that uh, actually has two trumpets. And those trumpets are Donald Byrd and Art Farmer. And um, along with the gentleman who opened our show this evening with his jazz feature, Jackie McLean, on alto saxophone, and Barry Harris on piano, Doug Watkins on bass, and Arthur Taylor on drums. And uh, this is a composition by trumpeter Donald Byrd. It's a really uh, kind of a neat tune. It's called The Third, and it features this uh, all-star band. And, of course, uh, um, quite a bit of exchanges between the two trumpet players. And they're, they're, they're both lyrical players, but they're very contrasting styles and their sounds. So here, then, is... The, this album, it's, uh, it came out on Prestige Records and was called Two Trumpets, Donald Byrd and Art Farmer. And this is Donald's tune, The Third. Thank you. 
Well, that's one way to go out with a bang. <laughs> that's it for our show this evening. Um, we heard two pieces of music. Now, the one before this one was from a, a rare prestige album called Two Trumpets, and it featured the trumpet work of two of the most lyrical voices of the trumpet of the 1950s, Donald Byrd uh, and Art Farmer. And uh, in between, Jackie McQueen on alto saxophone, Barry Harris on piano, Doug Watkins on bass, and Arthur Taylor on drums. And uh, that was a composition by Donald Byrd entitled The Third. And the first trumpet soloist on that tune was Donald Byrd. Then uh, Jackie McQueen came in for his choruses, and then Art Farmer followed. And then there was a series of exchanges at the end of the tune with the two trumpet players going uh, at each other. This, we just heard, is a perfect um, set closer for the show this evening. The tune is called Night Flight, and it was written by the late tenor saxophonist Harold Vick, who performed on here with Blue Mitchell on trumpet, but the leader of the band was the great Hammond organist Big John Patton. Grant Green on guitar, almost stealing the show from everybody, and Ben Dixon on drums. And that's from a Blue Note album by Big John Patton called Oh Baby. And it certainly was a great album, uh, recorded in uh, March of 1965. Night Flight, written by Harold Vick. So we'd like to thank you very much for being out there this evening and hope that you enjoyed what we had to offer. Our jazz feature next week is the last of our um, features that uh, of albums that were initially dismissed by the critics and uh, have become classics. And uh, next week's album, a little more complex because I think the bad critical review of this album affected this man's career. Uh, that didn't happen with the other musicians that we featured this month, but uh, it uh, may have happened with... Tina Brooks, one of the most fascinating, wonderful tenor saxophone players. We're going to hear his album. 
Uh, it was the only one that Blue Note released, and it's called True Blue, and that's going to be our jazz feature next week. Tyna Brooks and the album True Blue. So that's it. Thank you once again on behalf of uh, CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. We broadcast from the University of British Columbia, which, of course, is situated on unceded Musqueam territory. And uh, next week, in seven days, we shall return at 9 p.m. for another edition of The Jazz Show with me, your host, Gavin Walker. So take care, stay out of the rain, enjoy yourselves, listen to music always, and uh, be good to yourselves. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.